0: Okay, today's daf is Baba Kamal thirty-two. Bet, um, 32. We pick up on the Mishnah at the very bottom of Lamadal Al of Hamedbet. Bet, um, and our learning should be, as always, for the uh, safety of our chayalim and chayalot, and for everybody in Israel, and for the uh, safe return of all the hostages. Um, okay so we're in the middle of this parak which is about Adam hamazik, and um, particularly a lot of scenarios about people bumping into each other and tripping and hitting each other and tripping over each other in uh, the public domain so the mission is the bottom of la who Two people are walking in the Rashuda Rabin, in the public domain. One guy is coming with his barrel, you know, a barrel of, let's say, I don't know, wine or oil. And the other guy is coming with a beam, bringing it to a construction site. And you can imagine what's about to happen. Okay, so imagine this is a perfect question of like an, uh, an auto accident. Who's liable? They crash into one another. They're both moving and they hit one another. So you're exempt. Nobody drove a red light, each person had a right to go, and therefore nobody, if one of them didn't have a right to go, obviously that person is considered to be liable, but in this case, that they both did, then there is no way to obligate the person with, even though the thing that broke is the barrel, the person with the beam is no more at fault than the person with the barrel. Okay. Um, now, by the way, just to remind ourselves that there's a principle of adamu'ad l'olam, a person who's always considered liable, absolute liability, although Tosus says there has to be, that's not really literally true, there has to be a degree of negligence. But if you do say adamu'ad l'olam, if you take Tosus' approach, then okay, you're not fully negligent. The other guy was negligent. But if you do say adamu'ad l'olam, right, then the even though there's absolute liability, that's offset when there's priyad hanizak, when the person is, you know, has bringing it upon himself, has contributory negligence. So for Tosis, it's enough to say that the guy with the beam was not fully negligent, without looking at anybody else. But if you say absolute liability, what's going on is, well, the other guy was also negligent. Or you could just say there's no way to define here who caused it, who did the accident. Okay. Um Khavis now let's say they didn't just crash into each other one guy uh, you know flow of traffic one guy was the car in front of the other guy um so the person with the beam was first and the person with the barrels behind him so if the guy behind speeds up and bumps into the car in front of him right so the guy with the barrel speeds up and bumps into the guy with the beam then even though again it's the barrel that broke hey that's the fault of the guy with the barrel. He sped up, I was in front of him. Okay? But Balakor um uh, the guy with the beam is exempt. Top of Lamibamad Aleph, Vim Amad Balakora Chayim. But if the guy with the beam stood, you stopped suddenly, and then the guy behind you rammed into you, you're you know, even though the guy with the beam wasn't being active, nevertheless, it was his negligence, it was his actions that brought it about. He was the one that caused the accident to happen. Okay, so what do we have so far? If they both are active and they both ran into each other and they both caused the accident to happen, exempt you can't play you know nobody can be blamed um so even if one of them suffered more damage it doesn't matter if one of them were one of their actions caused it to happen the guy behind sped up and he's carrying the beam, barrel so he's the guy to blame if the guy in the front stopped then he's the guy to blame okay but if the guy who stopped short basically like signaled Okay, and said, "Stand! I'm, about, I'm standing. Stand." Then, the, then he di, he did not cause it to happen. The guy behind him had to take the responsibility. Now, let's say the guy with the barrel was first, and the guy with the bean came after him. And um, so, and then the barrel bre- broke into the beam. hive. why? Because the guy with the, I'm sorry if I said it wrong. The guy with the barrel is first and the guy, I said, right, the guy with the barrel is first, the guy with the beam is behind him. So if an accident happens, you know, then it, without the guy with the barrel standing, it's because the guy with the beam sped up. Okay? So therefore, the guy with the beam is liable, and he's chayev. However, if, he amad butter, if the guy with the be, with the barrel stood, so then his actions caused it to happen, and the guy with the beam is exempt. But if he said to the guy with the beam, you know, he signaled, essentially, and he said, stop, I'm stopping, okay? Then he is liable. Then the guy with the beam is liable, because it's the guy with the beam who made it happen. The same with one with flax and one with wool, okay? Even though, again, one of them is causing the damage, you know, when there's a damaging thing and a damage da- thing being damaged. Um, nevertheless, that's not how we look at it. Even if one suffered the damage and the other didn't, it is not that if it, that type of absolute liability. So when there are two people involved and two sort of moving parts, the damager and the damagee, if they're both moving and they both have permission, then you can't pin the bam- damage on the, on the guy with the beam. However, if it's one in the front and one in the Back, then the basic question you ask is who act whose actions caused it to happen? And that is the person that is liable okay so and we're not we're in okay so this is a little bit of a uh, funny you know case and it's uh, also you know funny cuz you know they have like kids learning this but anyway uh man and uh, husband and wife are having intercourse and the woman is hurt in the process uh, not exactly clear whether it means that the actual act of penetration caused her to be hurt um, or whether um, you know whether there are other types of movements and actions and bodily movements basically, you know, led to some damage. So can she now collect damages from her husband? All right, interesting question. Let's see what the Gemara does with this. Kivun um, deburishus Covid pater since they are uh, obviously engaging with one another's bodies with permission, so therefore you're exempt, you're sort of moving in this area with permission, like moving in the Rishasarabim with permission, you can see where this is going. Um, um, Or do we say that it doesn't matter that the husband and wife are having sex and they're both like, you know, being very physical with one another, that doesn't mean that you can not be paying attention to what you're doing okay so obviously a very graphic case but to some degree it's a question about how much do we look at issues of negligence or do we look at like the fact that hey you know you're moving in this area with permission and so on similar to the question of the mission obviously also a question about and this really does get to this question in the Risha arabim about how much do you have to be who is responsible to be paying attention, right? Do you have to be paying attention? Like as the driver, you have to always be aware of what's going on around you. So if you have attention flagged, you're liable. Do other people have to, if they're doing something unusual, have to make you aware, right? So um, so that is, um, you know, in the Mishnah, for example, you never got that sense that, you know, that, that, that um, somebody had to be, paying attention, the more question was, like, who, you know, whose actions caused it. Let's see what the Gemara does with this. Amalei tanitua. We taught it in, a, in our Mishnah. Each one has permission to go about, okay? So if they're both acting with permission, the first case in the Mishnah, and they crash into one another, okay? You can sort of see the me- metaphor here. So you say that you're exempt. Now, why is that? It's true that they were both acting and they were both moving and they both had permission, but why don't you say that the guy with the beam is the one, you you know, um, is the one that, um, that, that he should still, he was the one that did the damage, And he should have been looking. So even though the other person was also moving and crashed into him, you know, nevertheless, he had more of a responsibility to be looking out and make sure he's not doing damage. And you don't say that. You say when they both had permission and they were both active and they both were participatory in what happened, then, um, you know, then you're exempt. Okay. So. um, I'm a rubber, rubber said back. No, it's a the opposite way. Ma'ya'ar, now we're going to look at questions about gullus. Golas always has, you know, when somebody kills somebody unintentionally, and you end going to Golas, and that, um, you know, the Torah draws a very, like, a clear scenario about that, but it's always a question if that is its own rules, or if that's parallel to the case of Mazik. But anyway, let's see. shows was and barb, both people go into the forest, you know, and they go in, they they, they, they go in with permission, okay? Nas, so so, nevertheless, it's you know um, um, the the guy who's chopping the wood. You know he uh, the, the person who came into the forest from some other place, and here's this guy chopping the wood, right? It's he. Ha- it's, it, we, we treat it. Not like, hey, you both have permission to be here, and it's okay. You're exempt. We treat it that there's somebody else here, and you have to be responsible. Okay, so Rabbah says from the case of the forest and the and and, and Gulus, we see the idea that you are responsible for other people in the area. All right, we'll have not exactly clear what he does with the Mishnah, but let's keep on going. Um, um, here when the man is going into the woman's domain right looking at it very sort of physically about the act of penetration how much more so does he have a responsibility to be paying attention okay and 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 to be and to be and and he's, he it's his liability All right. so basically rava is using the example of the Golos to say that um, no you do have a liability you do have a responsibility to be paying attention and it's not saying oh you both have a permission to be there All right, so now let's see what the Gavar does. Okay, Rava, if you want to say that you do have a responsibility to be paying attention, um, and therefore, even if you're both with permission, you're liable, what do you do with the Mishnah? Which says that they both have permission to be going. There, they're both the same. Here, he's the one that's acting. So this gets exactly to sort of the point we were making in the Mishnah, which is it does sort of matter, um, you know, if 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 every, if every there's no particular person at fault, like later in the Mishnah, one guy speeds up or one guy stops short or one guy forgets to signal. But if sort of nobody is at fault, then it's sort of that it matters and they're both particip- that Well, then it matters. Are they both participatory and both acting? Or is one active and one passive? So in the Mishnah, because they both have a right to be there, okay. If one, you know, and they crash into each other, you can't blame anybody. But if you switch one of those parameters, let's say one person didn't have a right to be there, you know, that uh, there was no permission for uh, for for people carrying beams to be in Rishon That was just the rule. And this guy was carrying a beam, and they crashed into another one. Obviously, the guy with the beam, he's the one at fault. Okay, he didn't have the right to be there. Let's say they weren't both active. Let's say that the guy with the uh, barrel was standing there and he was just standing and, you know, in Rishasarab with a barrel on his shoulder and a guy with a beam came walking into him. You know, even though they both have permission, there's one person you can say he is the one that did the act. Okay, so you need both parameters in the Mishnah. That they're both acting and they have permission to be there. In the case of the yar of the forest, right, and the chopping the wood, even if we assume that galus is the same, they're not both participating in the act. One guy's, uh, you know, hammerhead or the or the piece of wood or whatever is flying and hitting the other guy. One guy is doing the act. Now, how about in intercourse? So this becomes the gemara's sort of. Um, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, disturbing from our perspective way of understanding the act of intercourse, that it basically says that since there's a penetrator and a pen, pen, when being penetrated, you know, the man and the woman, we look at it as if the man is always the one that is active. Okay, so the Gemara says um, he's doing the action, he low and she not. By the way, this makes it sound like the act of injury came through was through the actual penetration itself. It was not some other act right, because then it's not how you define the act of intercourse, it's the other, what else is going on. Anyway, it says like this, uh, Vuhilo, do we not consider her to be active in the act of intercourse? V'haqsiv doesn't it say, um, V'nih chesu anafashos haosos miker both of the souls that shall be put into kares if, if it's a forbidden act of sex, and it refers to both sides as osot that are doing, that are active. So the says, yes, they both get pleasure, and that's why the woman is considered to be active. Um, but he's the one doing the act. All right, so this is again a little bit, you know, uh, disturbing the way the Gemara frames this as the act of intercourse. It comes up elsewhere when it talks about the phrase that people might be familiar with Esther Karka Olam. Esther was like the the simple ground. She was so why why was Esther allowed to do this? Uh, have intercourse with Hachashveirosh? You know, do we don't we say Yehag Yavor? So the Gemara says, well, she wasn't really doing an action. Esther Karka Olam haya. Um, Ramban has a different way of learning that. Ramban actually learns that you know when somebody is being comp- a woman is being compelled to have sex, you know whether she's willing or unwilling, a man can force himself on a woman. So her willingness doesn't make her sort of or you know her agree go, go along to save her life. I should say doesn't make her liable. But anyway, this is the way the Gemara understands it. So without belaboring the point about how it understands you know intercourse um, and the man as the actor, what you do see is is that it's um, you know it's a clear explanation explanation of the Mishnah, that the, that both factors in the Mishnah are important. They both have permission to be there and that they were both acting. You switch any one of those parameters and we pin it on either the person who was doing the act um, or, uh, you know, if, if they were, if both had permission but one was standing and the other was act, moved into him, or if, um, if they both were acting but one didn't have permission to, to, to be there, you pin it on that person. When both are true, then you say, we can't pin the, you know, crash on either person. Everybody, you know, no liability. Okay, they both crashed into one another. Next case. First, second wide line. high al cover showed. So now it's one's going, the, the guy with the beam is going in the first, and he stops, uh, and the guy with the barrel so if the, is behind him. If the guy with the barrel speeds up, then it's his fault, exempt. If the guy with the beam stops, it's his fault, he's higher. Okay. So we've seen this before. We have two cows in Rashisharabim. One is crouched down and one is walking. And you don't have a right to crouch, you know, to have your cow uh, kneel down in the middle of Rashisharaab. If the one walking kicked into the one crouched down, he's exempt. Okay, that's what that, that would be. That would be like you know, Karen Berishos Arabim. It's an act. It's a, it's, a, it's an aggressive act. But nevertheless, the principle, as Rashi articulated earlier, was if some person comes and and you know and is mashana, you know, so potter. You know, you were you sort of you were not have a right to do this and crouch down. So it's all your fault. So therefore, even though it's an act of Karen, you're exempt. Okay. Um if the one crouched down kicked into the walking one, which is obvious. Alright, let's come to support him. I mean the real kidish of Reish Lakish is even if the walking one kicks, the one crouched down. Let's see if we can support Reish Lakish. Hayabalakar Rishon and If the guy with the beam was first and the guy with the barrel came was coming after him, and the guy with the barrel uh, sped up and, and and you know and hit it to the beam. You're exempt. Um, but if the guy with the um, uh, with the beam stood, then then he's chayev. So here, the guy who stood, he's like the cow that's crouched, and he's going ahead and he's damaging the barrel. Okay? So when he stands, it's like the cow that crouches down. You don't have a right to crouch down. You don't have a, you know, you stood in an unexpected way. So the cow that crouches down, therefore, you know, is, um. so the cow that crouches down, if it kicks the walking one is Chayev, and the guy with the beam who stops, and then the damage happens, he's also Chayev. Of course, the second part of Reish HaKish really didn't need a Chiddush, but okay. Anyway, so the gemara says like this, um, uh, so the says, do you think you can bring a proof from that? Hasi baya, you're trying to bring a proof. Lo It's not sufficient that you didn't actually prove your case. El Mikasha, it's actually a question on your case. Taima debiata. For a to the reason the guy that the cow that's crouched down is is chayiv is when he kicks the walking one. Had huska nimeila but if, you know, the uh, the the walking thing accidentally tripped over the crouching one, the guy the, the cow crouching would be um, exempt. Interesting question. Why exactly? Why wouldn't it be like a Borbirj or something? But anyway, but that's implicit in Rich Lakish. when the guy stands, he's actually being totally passive. and you see your chayiv. So you can't if you want to think that they're copper balls, then if anything, it's a Kasha. Because is only Michael of the crouched down cow, when it kicks, and not when it's being totally passive. So the Gemara says, no, 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 here's the difference, and here's why it matters between kick and being passive, because you should actually ask, why aren't you abhor Berisha Sarabim when the cow is crouched down? So the Gemara says, de paskala orcha kishilda. Our mission, like we ended yesterday, is when the beam is going horizontal. The guy with the beam stopped, and the beam is the whole length of the Berisha Sarabin. <laughs> and this is why it's not a Borbusha because a Borbusha Zerabim, you don't see it. But here, when the cow is crouched down on one side, the other animal should, you know, animals are very good at seeing the obstacles and moving around it. Okay, so in Raj Lakish's case, you're not chayv unless it actively kicked, because the animal should move around. In Taka, in our case, of the beam and the um, and the barrel, you're also not chayev if the beam if the barrel if the beam was going you know vertical because then the guy with the barrel now it's not Tosa says not that the guy with the barrel should have suddenly reacted to the stop and veered to miss because you can't always do that a guy stops in front of you you don't always you know you can't always you know veer suddenly but what it means is you shouldn't be walking with your barrel directly behind the guy with the beam. Okay, so in that case, if that guy was going vertical, you're, he actually is puter if you stopped because don't be going right behind me at such a speed that you can't don't have enough reaction time. Okay, but but our Mishnah you're chayev because the guy with the beam is going horizontal, and in that case, the guy with the barrel had no you know had no ability to avoid it, and therefore chayev. So that's a nice again clarification of our Mishnah. Um, <clears throat> so now the Gemara says like this. Um, Fine, let's use the end of the Mishnah to prove Reish Lakish's case and the first half of Reish Lakish which is the bigger Kiddush If the guy with the barrel was first and the guy with the beam was before him Um, and And the beam guy sped up And if the guy with the barrel stopped you're exempt when the guy with the barrel stops, and then the guy with the beam walks into him, it's like the walking cow is kicking into the barrel, into the sitting cow, right? The guy, the guy with the barrel stopped. He didn't have a right. The cow crouched down, didn't have a right. The guy with the beam went into him, potter. The, the walking cow kicked the cow, potter. That's a nice comparable case. You stop, you crouch down. You didn't have a you didn't have a right to do it. The one who now comes to damage is exempt. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, no. And our Mishnah, the guy with the beam is is not intentionally damaging. He's just continuing to walk, and he didn't have a chance to react. Here, the crouching cow could say to the walking cow, look, I start. I, I crouch down. I didn't have a right to do it. You could walk over me, and if I get damaged, fine. That's like the beam. Keep on walking again, not intentionally, but because you don't have a chance to react or whatever it is, right? But but to kick me to intentionally damage that, you're not going to be exempt from, and that is reshakish's You know, Bachavashina, Bachavashina you know, potter. You know, you know that, you know that, uh, that 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 the second guy's potter, even if it's intentionally damaged. Call him potter. So that you can't approved from our Mishnah. Okay, what these two cases, the funny cases, funny comparisons, the first with the case of sex and then with the case of the cows, but what it clarified was, A, the first part of the Mishnah is because both factors are important, that both are active and that they both have reshosh, and the second part of the Mishnah, that if the guy with the beam is going vertical, that he's actually exempt because the guy with the barrel who's going behind him should either not be going directly behind him or should be going with enough distance that he has enough reaction time. So both of those are really important clarifications. Okay, let's look at the next mission two people going in, one was running or one was walking um, where they both both were running and they they damaged one another they hit into one another so then they are both um exempt so that's very similar to the other case right except you might have said two questions. A, you might have said if one is running, one is walking, one running is the active one, right? Because, I don't know, there's more energy in what he's doing. Um, but it tells you no. If one guy is standing and one guy is running, then the guy running is high, okay? He ran into me. But if we're both walking, even if I'm going five miles an hour, then they're going 30 miles an hour. If, you have, if you're going within the speed limit, right, then we both sort of ran into one another. Very helpful to think about these in terms of traffic and cars, okay? However, that's the question, are you going the speed limit? The is, here is that the guy uh, running has the, uh, is considered to be okay to be running in Rishasarabim. We saw in the previous Mishnah, they both needed to be acting with permission. Is it really true that you're allowed to run in So Let's take a look at the Gemara not like The guy who's running, he's the one that's chayv, He's going out he's acting out of order. You don't have a permission to run in Risha Sarabim. You're exceeding the speed limit, so you're the one that is liable. Okay. Now, Isi does agree that Erev Shabbos shmashos, you're exempt because you are running with permission. Everybody is running to start Shabbos. It's quite interesting that it says Bein It doesn't say Erev Shabbos as it's getting dark, right? As it's getting dark, you understand. You're rushing to get home. You are, you gotta get home before it gets dark. You gotta light the candles. You gotta put the food up, right? Maybe it does mean that, but it says It says Erev but it also says banish mushes so maybe here banish mushes is a little and meant to inter- incorporate that entire time okay and there are still some things you can do to prepare Ben mushas and so on all right we'll see more about this in a minute okay but ben we like ben that that's the only time you have permission to run in Rosh say that you, that it's okay for one to be running and the other to be walking right and that's so that's that that's not like easy ben yudah ben yudah says it's only allowed on Erev. Shabbos?" So the Maharaj says, no. Mas Shabbos? Ben No. Okay. We, our, Mishnah, our Mishnah, I'll say, is consistent with Easy Ben Yehuda, even though obviously the whole point of the Mishnah seems to be not that way, to say, in general, it's okay to be running. It says, no, we'll say our Mishnah is the case of Yisi Ben Yehuda, that it's Ereve Shabbos. How do you know? Because the Mishnah goes on to say, or if they're both running, they're exempt. That's Why do you have to say that? if one running and one walking, the running guy is exempt. Ratsimibai, if they're both running, do you have to tell me that? Now, obviously this could be a classic example of uh, of Lomerzu, right, which sometimes the Gemara does. it says the less obvious, and then it says and even the, and then the more obvious. But here it's going to use it to try to explain how the mission is Isi ben Ella Hama, one is walking and one is running, you're exempt, sometimes. If it is Irish Shabbat, Spanish But if it's on a weekday, if, if one is running, then the guy running is Chayev, and one is walking, but if they're both running, then even on a weekday, they are exempt. Okay? So, um, therefore, um, um, by saying that the case of two running, they're exempt, what Rabbi Yochanan is saying is it implies, the end of the Mishnah, that if one is running, you're chayev, uh, and the other is walking, you're chayev. Ah, doesn't the beginning of the Mishnah say one running, one walking, you're pater? Must be that there's a difference, Shabbos, you're exempt, you have a right to run, but normally during the week, one running, one walking, you're pater. Um, The guy running, uh, during during the week, one running and one walking, the guy running is chayev, both of them running. Potter. Bottom line is how, even, whether you explain the Mishnah like Isi Ben Yehuda or not, it's clear that um, Rabbi Yodin's pasquing like Isi Ben Yehuda. Okay, that on erev Shabbos you have a right to run in Rishas Rabim, not during the week. So in the week, one running and one walking. Um, the one running is high. By the way, the other thing you see from this Mishnah is that, or from the way the Gemara deals with it, that you don't have a right to run in Rishis Rabim is that if they're both don't have a right. It's the same as they both do have a right, okay? So if they're both going within the speed limit and and they both crash, both exempt. One going above the speed limit and one going like below it and they crash, okay? The one speeding is higher. both speeding, also, both exempt, all right? So you need the imbalance to say that it's more one person's fault than the other. And Rabbi Yochanan Pasikin's like Izzet ben Yehuda, that only on Arab Shabbos ben Hishmashos do you have a right to run in Rishos Harabim. Now the Gemara is going to interrogate why that is. Um, okay. Okay. Um, Amamar easy Bereshabbas Beneshmashos been agrees Um Beneshmashos Mishupati That you're exempt Because you're running With permission My What permission is there or why are you allowed To run In Rishusha Rabid Now you and I would say What are you talking about You got to get home To start Shabbos To change to, to shower To change To light candles To put the food up Um, Again the question is Are we talking about Ereshabbas Which is again Notice how the Gemara Drops the words Beneshmashos here? Or are we talking about literally B'na Shemashas? So let's see what the, what the, what the answers. Kid Rabbi Chanina, like Rabbi Chanina, Dabra Rabbi Chanina, Bo Likras Kala Malkasa, okay, that you would run out and say, let us come greet Shabbos, the bride uh, queen. Amile shabbos kala malkasa, or some say he actually explicitly said the word shabbos, to to, to accept the shabbos, the bride, the queen. Rebianai mis atefikai. would not um, run out to greet, he would wrap himself in a talis and just stand and wait, like for the kala to come to him, as it would be for shabbos to come to him enter in, o bride, o bride, enter in, O bride. So obviously you are seeing here, um, the, the, this is, these two lines of the Gemara are, you know, really the whole source of the practice of um, Kabbalah Shabbos. Um, Shabbos is both called a bride, you know, which is, Fascinating. The feminine, right? God is normally cast in the masculine. Here it's the 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 feminine, the bride, you know, coming in union with the groom. The idea of the mitzvah for a husband and wife to be together, you know, to to, to have sex on Shabbos. And the Kabbalists did a lot of things with this in terms of you know the bride and the groom and parts of God and unifying them. Or Shabbos as a queen, the Shabbos queen, you know, which maybe is is less about the the welcoming in, you know, which sort of seems more, you know, um, you know. That, that union as much as the respect and the honor you're showing, but it's still fascinating that the Shabbos, you know, because maybe Shabbos is feminine, it's not God, it's Shabbos, you know, it's, you know, it's feminized here, and it's the queen and it's the bride. Also, the uh, difference about going out to greet rather than waiting to receive, you know, some people actually, you know, when the bride goes under the chuppah, does the chassan wait for the bride to come to him? Like, you know, who was it, uh, raviana he was standing and waiting, you know, or does he go out to greet her and then they both go to the chuppah together and some do it specifically based on this idea Bovinate bovin you know, Shabbos Anyway, this started you know, in the, the period of the Ari um, is really where he went out with his talmidim uh, into the field and you know, the whole practice of Kabbalah Shabbat really, you know, began, um, began then and it's based on this idea in the Gemara. I don't know exactly what was happening before it got more, in, like, in, you know, the Ari and before it got more institutionalized um, as it is now. It's quite fascinating, by the way, that um, the, the Rabbeinu Hananel says, He was dancing and going. Let's go out and greet the Kawa. Um, still, you know, you really wonder about this. So, actually, so that's because, like, just because you're saying, let's go greet the bride, where, why are you running, right? I don't, I mean, I have to be honest, I still really don't get it. Why are you running in Rishus Harabim to go? Are you running to go to the fields? And you had this practice of greeting the brides in the fields. I mean, you could imagine maybe a dance, but it didn't say dancing. Why is it in Rishus Harabim? Why is it not in the fields? Like I, I I am still really. uh, struggle here to understand. It's the beautiful gemara, it's the source of Kabbalah Shabbos, but how does it explain this idea of running on Erev Shabbos, and particularly running on Erev Shabbos, ben you know, during Ben HaShemashos. Also an interesting question about when should you be saying Kabbalah Shabbos? You know, should you be saying it before it gets totally dark? Because if you're accepting it, you want to accept it at the time that it's coming in. Okay, let's do on to the next mishnah. Um, somebody is chopping wood. Now we're getting really close to the Gullis case. Okay, this is the, the scenario the Torah describes, or at least initially we're going to be talking about this, about damages. So somebody is chopping wood in Rishus HaRabim, and it goes ahead and a piece of wood flies off and hits somebody in, in their personal private property, in their yard. Or B'Rishos HaYachid B'Hizik HaRabim, or in their, they're chopping wood in their yard and it goes and hits somebody in Rishus HaRabim, or the case which is most likely to be not liable, you're chopping wood in your yard and it flies off and hits somebody in their yard. In all those cases, again, you're the damager. I don't care that you're operating with Rishus. You're the one that caused the damage. The other guy is stationary. You didn't run into each other, et cetera. You're going to be says the gemara. You need all three cases. By the way, from the ongoing of the Gemara, it sounds like the first two cases were reversed in the Gemara's version of the Mishnah, and the side notes that that's true also, you know, in the printed Mishnah. The yeah. yachid it was you chopping in your private domain and it damaged in the public domain. Maybe there you're liable because there is a lot of people that are going. You have to be really responsible. You should know that pieces of wood might fly off and you're, you're right next to a public domain, so you have a lot of negligence. But If you're chopping wood in and they're flying in the direction of somehow if you know exactly which direction they're flying, the lo rabim that there are not a lot of people. It's a you know private domain. you don't have to be responsible, even though there's you know one guy one guy's personal property and he might be on it, but like yeah, it's not likely. It's only one person. He's never there, etc. You might think you have no responsibility. If it just gave you the reverse case, you're chopping in and it's going to fine, the pieces of wood are flying into a place where there are very few people, but the reason you're liable is you have no right to chop wood in I might think chopping wood in your private domain, if they fly into that you're totally operating with permission, aim alone, maybe not. And you could understand that. You could understand, look, it's one thing to say when I'm out about on the street or whatever. But in my property, I'm king of my castle. I have total right to do whatever I want in my property. And the answer is no. No. You have to be responsible that things don't fly off your property and go and hurt other people. If it's just those two, one is it because, you know, each one has a reason why you're liable, either because it's going in a place where there are a lot of people, when it's flying into Rishas Rabim, or because you're starting in a place where you don't have permission, you're chopping wood in Rishas Rabbim. I would think if you're chopping wood in your domain and it's flying off into another person's private yard, to low Rishas that there are not a lot of people where it's flying to, and you started off doing it with permission, aim it maybe you would, uh, you know, maybe, maybe in that case you'd be exempt. It has to tell you all of it. Okay, so again, this is the principle of Ademud olam, and because we had the idea of chopping wood, we were able to get it out of Rosh HaRabim, and you're totally operating in your domain, and it doesn't matter, you're the mazik, he's the nizok, you're Chayev. Okay, Tana a our rabbi's talk. Somebody goes into a carpenter's, you know, store without permission, and, you know, and a piece uh, flies off from the uh, from the beam that the car- car- carpenter was working on, and it hits the guy in the face, umeys, and he dies. Now, Tosa says you have to take out the word umeys, because the Gemara is going to be talking about two scenarios. And within this case, whether it's the person got damaged or the person died. So we're gonna ignore the word of mace. And hit the other guy, put you're exempt. Okay? Why? Presumably because the guy we'll see in a second, the guy walked in without permission. So he came into your domain, you did not give him permission to enter. You do have right to totally operate freely in your, you know, property if it's not if everything is staying within your property and somebody else is there, they shouldn't be there without permission. So you're exempt. But if you gave the guy permission to enter, then you are all obligated because then he has a right to be there, then we're back to Adamu Adla Olam. Okay. My Chayv. Chayv for what? I'm Reb Yossi Bergenina Chayv this Mishnah is talking about damages, okay? This bright, which is good, right? Which is, makes it consistent with us. So that idea, and so now we have introduced an idea that's actually nice, because it's the part missing from our Mishnah, that if it's in your Rishos, and it stays in your rishus, and somebody else is there without permission, then you're exempt. Um, but obviously, if you give them permission, then you archive. Okay, so that's, it is talking about damages, and it's that missing part from our Mishnah, um, but the Halacha is you would be exempt from Golis. Now we're introducing gullis. okay? Even though, the guy has permission to be there, and you're chopping wood, and you should be aware that he might walk in. You are aware that he is there. Whatever, you are still going to be exempt from golus. Why? It would seem like there's um, like there's a lot of negligence if there's enough, you know. So let's take a look. Because it's not similar to the forest case in the Torah. Okay, by a yar, by a forest. I have a right to go into the forest, you have a right to go into the forest, and we're not aware of one another, okay? This case, even though the guy gave you permission, fundamentally, you're not going into a public domain, you're going into his private domain, and therefore... It's not exactly like the case of the forest. Now, that seems to be very formalistic and very arbitrary. The case of the, you know, to like, oh, say the case of the forest is it's a shared, dom- it's a it's a it's a public domain. They both have rights, etc. Here, you know, or forget rights. It's a public domain. Here, you're going in to the person's private domain, and therefore he's going to be. Um, it, it's not the case of the Torah. So, Rebbe said it might not be the case of the Torah, but you should be chayev. Um, uh, I'm a Rav or some half of the gears of Raba. Kavachomer, it doesn't matter. It's a kavachomer. Let's not talk about technically whose domain is it and being very formalistic. Not a question of whose reshus. Let's talk about. Negligence and what's the key driving principle here? Okay, by a yar, you know you're not aware of him; he's not aware of you. And nevertheless, we say there's enough negligence because you should be aware that somebody might be in the forest and you're Chayef. So notice how Rav subtly shifts the words reshus to das. You, the, you, you know this statement was was being very formalistic. It's your domain, so you're Pater. You know, Rav says no. Let's talk about negligence. In the case of the Torah, you didn't know about the other guy, but you should have been aware enough and you're Chayev. This guy who goes in, who, who you're aware, you told him he could come in. Maybe you're not aware the moment he enters, but if you ask for permission, then you might be. Then you should be aware that he might enter. So how much more so should you be chayev in this case? Clearly this case where you, he got permission to go into your domain is more negligence than the case of the Torah. Okay, so you could say that therefore, okay, you're right, and you are chayev in Golos. Elam or my putter, but Rav wants to keep this statement of of Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Hanina, to say exempt, but explain it in th- his way. Golos my to isn't enough. Okay, you're so negligent that you don't get that you don't get the atonement that is afforded by golos The Okay? And that is the reason of Rabbi Yosei Kibar Pchanina says, well, you know what, that really is fine. Yes, or, or, or I don't know, Rav is saying, or he's saying that that's what he meant when he said Ein li yar, but in the end, it, it's not about some formalistic idea of yar, of whose domain. It's a question of too much negligence. Because if you're a so close to me that you're not smack in the middle of shogig, then you're going to be exempt. And that's the funny part of Gullus. Right? Normally, the more negligence, the more hive you are, but by Gullus, if you're not in that sweet spot of sholgeg and you're too much negligent and you're karav l'mezid, then you don't get the atonement that Golis affords, okay? So as opposed to saying that this case of entering in Berishus is just a technical, formalistic thing, that it's that it's his domain, okay, and therefore you're exempt, Rava says no. We don't look at that technical question. We look at the question of negligence. There's higher negligence here. But I'll agree you're exempt but because it's you're too much to blame uh, and that's why you are exempt okay and but back to the case of Nezek by the way the case of the Nezek is you're going to be chayav when you gave him reshus, but you will be potter importantly when he came in Shalob Rishus Okay, Masiv Rava, now Rava challenges, which is why um, previously it might have been rubber rather than Rava. Anyway. If the guy giving lashes in the base gave an extra lash and the person died as a result, then he the, the lasher goes into gollus. The uh, Hachadoshog Kev LeMezid, who? Here the guy giving lashes was had a high degree of negligence. You're hitting somebody, you're actively hitting them, right? There's really a high degree here of, you should be aware about what, and the guy is, you know, hurting and whatever the that you should have you should, you should have been aware that a person might die with, a, with an extra um you know extra lash i mean also you didn't have any right to give him an extra lash you know you're really problematic like you went ahead i mean if you are, are intentionally giving him an extra lash right so then you're actually doing an active act of uh, damaging him which could cause his death like it's almost like you know negligent homicide or something. raise a goal and it says you go into exile so you see that even at really shall amazing you know you're uh, you know you're uh, what do you call it um you you, you still go in, you still get colors that he uh, uh he no, no 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 he didn't realize he was giving him an extra one he got mixed up he thought we were still on 39 he didn't realize you know he thought this was the last one okay so the so he kicked him with his shoe, so there's a question is, did he, did did, did he, did, whose shoe, did he, you know, did, did or did Rabbi take his shoe and kick Isi, or did he kick Isi in his shoe? Anyway, also, there was a Gorbachev thing, he took off his shoe and he hit Isi. Anyway, but it's interesting, You're not Gorbachev, Khrushchev. Anyway, but it's interesting, the tapach, because the case about the thing hitting the guy's face from the, uh, in, in the Breitah also was tapachle. Anyway, so Rabbi kicked him and said, Amalev, to who money? What, is he the one counting, we taught in the Brisa. The uh, the the head judge, you know, reads of the pasuk. The the second judge, you know. Counts the number, and the third one says, smite him. And then the guy smiting actually smites him. So the guy smiting, you know, he couldn't have got mixed up. He's supposed to be waiting till he was told to hit. And so obviously, he, after he was done, he just, I don't know, got caught up in the rhythm or something. So clearly, anyway, high negligence. And nevertheless, he gets gullus. Ah, The Dayan made the mistake. The Dayan repeated a number. He said 39 twice. Okay, of course, then the question is, so then all right, you know, but then it's like why don't you say that the uh, guy lashing, he's like an Anus, he's just listening, I was just following orders. Maybe he should have been paying attention enough to say, to correct him, maybe at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He was the one that uh, through his hands this guy died, okay, he wasn't an Anus, you know, and he was so, so but, but anyway, since he was following the numbering he's not in the car of category Mazefa, I'll ask you. Hazorikas seven Lushus Ram Bahara a Gola. Somebody throws a stone in ram and kills somebody, you're Gola. this is Shogi Karvala Mazed, you should be aware that there are people in Rishus I mean, certainly throwing a stone in Washusarabim should be just as much negligence as working in your workshop there with the carpentry and giving somebody permission to come in, right? So if the, the carpentry case is you're so negligent you're not deserving of it, isn't this case similar? You're doing an action that you know is, has the potential to be damaging. And there's a place where people, you know, can, are present. You're knocking down your wall. So, the Gemara says, But, okay, you might have permission to knock down your wall, but you don't need to be paying attention. You're doing it at night. So therefore you don't have you're not so negligent. Nami by Lele Yune. You also should be paying attention. You're knocking it down in Rishasarab. Again, there, maybe nobody goes in Rishasarab at night. But again, it's not say we also maybe nobody's walking into your shore. Score. So the Gabar said, you know, you him permission, but who says he's walking in right now? Blyal, blyal nami blyal liyuney, b'sosus kol zor b'yom ashba. Fine, he's doing it into a dump where people normally don't go, right? His wall, his his wall is right near, you know, a public dump. So v'ha'ashba heichidami. What's the case says Gemara? E'deshchichi Rabbi Mezidu. If the masses go and use this dump maybe as a bathroom. It's just like with Shosu Rabim. And if masses aren't there, Anosu, you're an Anos, okay? If it's mamish, it's a place that's a desolate place. So then you're, there's no negligence. All right. People go to the bathroom in it at night, but they don't go to the, when it's private, but they don't go use it for a bathroom in the day. And sometimes people do use it in the day if it's really urgent you're not amazed because normally nobody normally goes there during the day onus Nami lohave you're not an onus sometimes it happens of course the point is you have to say that this is less likely to expect somebody to be in this dump which they sometimes use as a bathroom occasionally in an urgent case then if I am going even though you're knocking down a wall which is pretty damaging stuff than if somebody asks permission to enter into my store so you know it's depends does somebody have standing permission or did they just a little while ago ask permission tozel said they just a little while ago asked permission so you should expect that they're going to be coming in at any time okay that helps explain why we're calling it Carval amaze it doesn't just mean oh John can come into my store anytime he wants but John actually said you know maybe even knocked and I said yes I'm here come in so if that's the case and obviously there's a high degree of negligent okay Republic must okay so that's where we will um, uh, uh, I think we go we'll go one more line. Uh, Rav Papa, in the name of Rav, taught this idea about the Chayev and Pater, whatever, on the first part of the Mishnah, not on the part of the Mishnah where it says Chayev, but the first part that says Pater. I'm not reading a maze, okay, that you're exempt. Okay. That actually your Chayev in our, that the Mishnah, the Brysa was not talking about Nezek. The Brysa was talking about Golas. So what is the case? We thought the Brysa was talking about Nezek, right? When it's not permission, you're exempt. When it's permission, you're Chayav. And then the Chinish was, even with permission, you're Pater and Gullus. Now we're giving a very different read. where the Bresa is talking about Golas, Okay, without permission, you're exempt from Gullus, with permission, you're Chayev from Gullus, so that all makes sense. But now he's being Michadej, but even in the first case without permission, you're Chayev, not just in Nezek, you're Chayev in Arba Dvarim, in all of the payments except for like Boshas, which is crazy, because there we know, we've learned, you know, Tzar, Ripo Sheves, we know that you need negligence. Where's the negligence? There's no permission. So Rashi and Tosas both say that you're aware the guy has come in, even though he doesn't have permission to be there. Okay, so now, so fine. So with this reading, we drop this idea that with with permission, you're exempt because too much negligence. But we introduce this weird idea, this idea that without permission, you're still Chayev. And Chayev not just in Nezek, but Chayev in Arba Dvarim. And we have to say that it's talking that you're aware that he's there. So let's just read one more line in the Gemara. The one who teaches this, that you're on the seifa, that you're puttering gullus when there's high negligence, Will certainly t- 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 say you're puttering Gullus when he comes in without permission. If you're puttering Gullus when he comes in with permission because it's too much, certainly you're just puttering Gullus in the normal case of without permission. But the one that says that it's talking about the first case, that you're and Gullus when he comes in without permission, um, when he comes in with permission, you are Chay of Gullus. Okay? So we will end. So there Therefore, Meaning, basically, this permission rejects that whole Chiddush. So, again, we, one, the, the, the easy way to say it is your chayiv and nezek without w- w- without, your pater and nezek, I'm sorry, your puter nezek without your chayiv and nezek with rishus. okay, and then the chidish is your puter in galus, even with rishus. Okay, because too much negligence, um, and then the second read rejects that khidish and says no, 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 no. The bright is talking about Gallus, You're putter in gullus with no rishos, but you are chayav in gullus when there is rishos. Okay, we will end here.